Welcome to All the Best Pictures, the podcast where we watch all the best picture winners from, from the start in excruciating black and white. Oh God, oh God, it's so black. No, it's all good. We're fine. We're culture, Dave, aren't we? Yes. Uh, hi, Sam. Um, that was possibly the lowest energy intro I've ever, ever, ever heard. <laughs> what? Um, well, it's fine. It's fine. We're not all, we're not all like 250 plus episode intro givers. Um, I realise that's usually my role. Anyway, sorry, welcome. Dave. We're just sounding you out Once now because I'm just disgusted by that horrible slight. No, look on. at fucking white Hollywood trying to squeeze me out of the conversation. <laughs> look at this shit. Um, right, Dave. Hey guys, welcome to the channel. Let's do it. Let's do all the best pictures from the start. Like, comment, subscribe. Link in the description. Hey, hey is that enough energy excited, for you? Sam. We should be excited because this is the third one of these we've done, right? It is, and it's the first good one. Like not oh. well, that's that's unfair. But this is the first great movie we've done oh. on the on the on the best pictures. This is the first it, best picture, you know. It is. It's the first cap lowercase b best picture. That's right. We're doing All Quiet on the Western Front, nineteen thirty, the third best picture winner, um, as as you've uh, uh, already described after Wings and the Broadway Melody. So second war movie we're doing. This one's slightly. It's slightly uh, a bit more thoughtful than Wings, you might say. <laughs> you, it's you might. touch more. It's touch touch more of a message in this movie. It's a bit than, more cerebral. Um, a bit more, yeah, a little bit more a going bit on. More of a thinker. A bit more of a thinker than Wings, um, which is very much like Wings is almost because it's a silent movie as well. It's almost vaudevillian. Um, and yes. if you're listening to this, <laughs> God help you. Um, and you haven't listened to our other episodes. I'm not saying you should go back and listen to them, but you should watch the movies because Wings is really interesting, and Broadway Melody was a movie also. Scenes missing. <laughs> exactly. So we watched all. So now I'd seen this before in because I'm a fucking nerd uh, many many years ago, and it was like it's one of those early early movies, really that like. It really just broke that thing for me as I joked at the start that ah oh, black and white movie ah because this is this is a it's surprisingly modern and it's surprisingly mature I think for a film in the thirties and that's the feeling that I got I remember getting when I first watched it is like wow I'm just, I'm still like connecting to this filmmaking in a way that I wouldn't expect seventy odd years later. And well, now it's twenty no, years it, after that. Yeah. Well, specifically, was it was it, in fact this year or was it like, late last year? The the remake came out. Twenty twenty two Netflix. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix, isn't it? The, which, which I, have I haven't watched. seen. Which I haven't seen. I did watch a. We did watch a YouTube video where he's sort of talking about, and there's some clips from the new movie, and it's kind of it, like from the the clips, like surprising mm. how close they stick to you know the scenes in the original movie and there's also yeah. a 1970s or 80s tv movie 1979 uh tv movie which i have seen i remember watching that as well P- probably because i you know gone on wikipedia and loser, saw the connection yeah, yeah i'll lose it. i tell you it's fine that's actually really good it's a tv it is a tv movie but it's really good and it's so well worth watching um and Ian Holm plays the sadistic drill sergeant, uh, and 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 I think he's probably a better characterization than this guy who's a bit cartoonish. Um, but yes, so let's talk about this. Let's go. Let's start from, you know, it's the third best picture in 1929-30. We've got four contenders that year: the Big House. Uh, which is a period drama, Disraeli about Benjamin Disraeli. The Jesus divorce. Fucking Christ! A film about <laughs> Benjamin Disraeli. I know. Fuck I know. me. I know. Sorry. The I divorce. Been dead for the... over a century, so let's not worry about that. Go on. Yeah, the divorcee, and then the love parade. Gonna just put it out there. You've never seen any, or even heard of any of those movies. Um, but all quite on the Western Front is a film I think that has like cultural standing like there's something about this and it's based on a book um that is has you know uh held the test of time in a in a quite interesting way 
Well, it's a, for one, for one, obviously we've mentioned it, it's a really good movie. Like, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like a, it's, it's sometimes difficult to talk about the good movies, and I don't think this will be one of those. Um, but it's kind of like I don't think there is this is I don't think there's many flaws in this movie at all. Nothing really felt out of sync. Uh, they did make a sequel, which apparently the Nazis forced them to edit, which that that sounds like it has problems. Well, um, exactly, yeah, yeah. But um, as a movie, I think this is this is close to perfect as you get. It's kind of why I wanted to do this this all the pets best picture series. Really, is it's always interesting the movies that we're so far back in time now, like you're closing on a hundred years, that there are only like you know a dozen a dozen movies from the thirties that you probably know the names of, like mm-hmm. and of those we're fucking nerds, so we might have seen two or three of them, maybe, and so. This is a great example of a movie that, like, you know, is still culturally relevant enough that we remade this last year. <laughs> yeah. This same well, story, and it's still culturally relevant, and it's still interesting, and it still has something to say. Was you know, war, war never changes. That's the, uh, that, the no, that's the song. I'm talking that's about the Fallout song. quote. <laughs> war never changes, as uh, as as the song goes. Um, and I think there's like a, there's like something that is really universal about this movie and the experience of it, of of the people in the trenches, you know. And they were writing about the war, the Great War, the war to end all wars. Oh no, no, it didn't. Uh, <laughs> that happened in you know the early 20th century. And as you pointed out, 1930s. We're three years away from Hitler's failed but attempted coup. You know the the beer hall putsch or whatever it was that he was involved in like anti-semitism um well, we're three the, years away from nazi germany sorry yeah yeah exactly you know like we are we are absolutely we're absolutely um, um this movie was it. i was going to save this for the end but this movie was banned in germany shocker yep. uh banned in france banned in italy banned in australia australians fucking love war apparently um yeah, like and banned in banned in places like Australia and France and and Germany till the sixties and seventies and eighties, mm. by the way, and Italy mm. as well. Like, um, because it was anti, because this is an anti-war movie. This is yeah. a movie about. This isn't your dad's war movie. I mean, it it literally is your dad's and your granddad's and your great granddad's war movie. But yeah. it isn't your dad's war. This isn't John Wayne. You know, like John Wayne's all quiet on the Western Front. We love throwing shade at John Wayne on this podcast. <laughs> oh, fuck you, John Wayne. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> take, take that. It, this isn't this isn't like a war movie in the way that um, you know Dunkirk or uh, pick a film you've actually seen, David. Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. This isn't a movie well, that glorifies war. This isn't like a Sunday afternoon. We're going to sit down. We're going to see our boys go over there and give those krauts a walloping number one because this is a film about germans but number two because it's 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 not really about that it's about all the bad this is a movie about why war is bad and the horrible things it does to someone psychologically and the death and Mm. the pointlessness and the Mm. all of that we'll get into that but like well let's let's get into it now because i i I think the the concept of an anti-war movie in 1930 is really interesting because we are still in the throes of patriotism. We're th- we're still in the throes of of explicit nationalism, nationalism. exactly, and and reactionary all the way to totalitarian governments are in vogue and they are surging across Europe. Y- you know, so I think like a film like this, and I think this is where we're touching on just the pure power of american cinema and american freedom of speech and like how that that this is an era of american and exceptionalism in lots of ways but i think culturally they had this time and space and ability to make movies like this and and to take a german anti-war book that was banned by the nazis for about three years after this yeah and then yeah the next it's funny though isn't it because Ding, 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 McCarthyism. (laughs) McCarthyism, I'm literally... um, Have you got a bell? I've got a bell, I've got a book. I've got a massive, massive book. What a nerd, what a massive nerd. Um, (laughs) We're doing a fucking podcast about 1930s on Quiet on the Western Front. I think that ship has sailed, Sam. In fact, I think that ship has been sunk in some kind of like... (laughs) 
you know, Lusitania um, World, World, style. World War One, exactly like style. Um, now, now, what I was going to say was, it's interesting because this is a pre-code movie. Uh, yes. We haven't really yes. talked about the Hayes Code a lot, and we're not really going to talk about loads here, really, because it. I think that'll hit us like a fucking lead balloon. Um, straight to the face when all we're watching is john wayne movies because <laughs> we're this... watching is john wayne john wayne at the somme and it's like fuck me wonder when he's gonna get the girl at the battle of the somme machine gunning like in predator down the the the, the hun <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. now but this is a pre haze code movie so it kind of like it is a period like you say in hollywood especially where you've got quite a lot of left-wing people quite a lot of like classically and guess what hollywood's still left wing because artsy things are still you know quite left wing funny that um but it's a period of freedom in 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 media it's where a movie like this could make money it was hugely popular um obviously it was banned in totalitarian governments in italy and germany and australia australia Um, weirdly (laughs) sorry we also hate australia on this podcast australians you're fine but like your country has i don't know about that statement dave australia are you okay think about it are you okay australia anyway there's a period of freedom that exists in when this movie is made in 1930 that definitely didn't exist when they made the sequel to this in i think 36 or 37 Mm. um and kind of didn't come back round again until the 70s so it's kind of interesting to draw that draw that line really between this movie and a movie like you know like good morning vietnam and apocalypse now you know where the american public was suddenly a bit more receptive to the idea that you know apocalypse now especially like this malaise that why are we in vietnam like what possible reason do we have to be there and and that's much more surreal and, and 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 otherworldly than this movie is and that's maybe the strength of this movie is that it is so mundane um, mm. Mm. but it's that, well, it, it, it's that it's anti-establishment about... sort of attitude and I suppose it's not at the time because in 1930 America was quite like set into neutrality and set into you know America world police yeah. did not exist in 1930 non-intervention was, was yeah you know reeling from the from the Wall, Wall Street crash the last thing on their mind was another world war mm. um, so maybe that's why this exists in a way that you know, like I said we wouldn't see again for another 40 years yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And I love I love connecting movies to those big broad trends of history, you know, that we that we get to see and and then when you fast forward to the as you say to the seventies, but skip forward again, I think what we get is like a we we go back in the two thousands almost to like a real The War uh, on Terror. Yeah. But the eighties and two eighties, probably late eighties to two thousands, all the way through the nineties, we're like, fucking great, let's do this epitomize you've you've mentioned it already probably by saving private ryan which is a is a is a film that shows the horror of war but it's not an anti-war film like this is because because it's about the glorification of of the hero during war and and that there's a there's a justness to it and there's an ability and that's kind of i think and, what, there's, where a, the, and there's something to strive towards and there's a yes. There's a is a, there's a um, a morally good reason, a morally just reason that's just presented wars. in that movie. And let's not yeah. get into World War Two politics here, but like it's presented in that movie of like we did it, we did the right thing. And and uh, whereas in All Quiet on the Western Front, which I think we should dive into the plot of a little let's bit. Let's get now, into it right now. Um, let's do it, Dave. We can feel it. There's no, you know, <laughs> well, how does it none start? Of that. How does it start? It starts with one of the most amazing shots that i've ever seen in a movie which is people marching out in the street and they're off the wall fantastic germany's going to fuck up france brilliant and and then we the camera pans back and i'm trying to think how they do this it comes back it, it, it pans backwards sorry through a window to and then we see the same scene happening outside and we see a school boy, a school teacher, an old, old, you know, old white dude, who's basically telling these impressionable young boys, which which we um, we meet. It's and, a really and, clever shot. Hold on, the, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just finish it. Who is that? He's then explain. He's been basically saying, "Sign up, boys. Never mind your education. You joy, you know, fight for the Wehrmacht and blah 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 and all this stuff." And it's incredible. Like, what an incredible way to start your film. 
in the 30s. It's <laughs> Sorry, it's great. And no, no, you are right. I think it's a really cool shot. And but it's it's the sort of thing that we we can do now much more easily because we can make jigs more easily and cameras are so much smaller. So I'm whispering, but so much smaller. Than <laughs> yeah. Unnecessary um, whispering, unnecessary. Uh, but so, it, but it is impressive because obviously they would have had to. The only way to to get this shot is to um, obviously there's music overlaying and the music cuts once we see the classroom. The only way to get this shot is to bring the camera backwards on this dolly, and then as it's moving backwards and when it swings around, you, you, you'll be ha- people are having to move and put furniture back in. I can only imagine yeah. the way that this. Do you was think it's shot. a screen? Do you think it's a screen that that the, they're filming a screen of the people outside? Because you've also got like the lighting change, so you need to yeah. be adjusting on the fly. So I don't know if it's a if it's a projection of people out marching because we do get a few different shots, and then it cuts to the one that pans back in. So that's what I thought they may how they maybe did it, but maybe. What, however, yeah, that, they, that makes more sense. However, they did it. I think it's the sign of things to come with this movie, isn't it? And the cinematography yeah. in this film is razor sharp. It is, I think when you compare to the films we've watched before, this is where we're really pushing up against probably um, well, it's this realization what's possible. In a movie like this, where you compare it to um, Wings, which you watched, very static camera in the movie apart from mm. when they strap it to a plane but we talked about that yeah but which was cool from that, yeah which yeah. was amazing but like and um broadway melody even more so that's a really really static camera it's filmed like a play and that's what people think of when they think of a 1920s or 1930s movie mm-hmm. but this the, the camera is moving around we are shooting things through windows we're off in the corner we've got some jaunty angles one might even say dutch angles um but uh, Deutsch angles. Even Belgian. 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 No, not Belgian angles. Belgium doesn't exist, Sam, when it comes to world wars. It's imaginary. Um, but it's, it's clever. The, the cinematography is, is, is really intentional in this. I think it's a big part of why the movie works. I think that the, mm-hmm. the way that the camera follows the characters around. Um, I want to get into I want to get into the plot because I want to kind of talk through this from cradle to grave, literally. Um because I want to catch everything in, in, in order. Otherwise, I think we'll miss stuff. It's not, you yeah. know, let's not well, reinvent the wheel. This movie came out 100 years ago. Other people, other cleverer people have talked about this movie, but... Um, but hey, no, we're the cleverest people to ever talk about this movie, guaranteed. So we we we, uh, we, we start with Paul Baumer. He's the kind of main character, isn't he? he of, of of an array, of an a, 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 a kind of, um, uh, uh, ensemble cast of boys who he, he he emerges as the main character i would say yes um probably not until the hospital i would the hospital scene for me which like much later on that's when he emerges as the main character but by dint of being the only one still alive um mm. you know which mm-hmm. is again like lends itself to the grimness of this movie so we start out we've got this horde of you know there's five or six of them aren't there They're the school boys um yeah. And they have their basic training. It's quite funny. It's quite funny in the in the beginning. But before we get to the training, though, because like I think the film's capturing the enrap- you know how these these boys are enraptured. They are they're whooping. They're baying for blood. You know, they they they're they they want to serve and they want to. And I think that must that must be. You know what do we? Ten, what do we say, don't they? So we'll all join 10, up together. 50, 15 you know, years out from from this actually happening and that must have been such a a a um a visceral sense of we're all going to war to get you know we're going to go and kill germans it's going to be a laugh and we're going to go on a big no, adventure no, we're going to go and kill frenchmen frenchmen yeah this is but, the, we haven't but, even but really just, hit I'm, this is that this is a movie of, about the baddies yeah oh, you couldn't make germans. this movie in 1955 but just thinking about that sense of like boys, you know, uh, pals brigades and all this stuff, you know, where they where they 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 joined up entire towns and they put them in the same place, and that meant that when the, you know if your your local your local regiment gets shipped out to the Somme and they all die on the first day because twenty thousand people died in one day at the start of the Somme, and 
then all the men are gone. You know, that's it. They're gone. Your entire town has lost its all of its men and boys in 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 one yeah. fell swoop. And I think it's that sense of and again, this is where, in the context of it being the, the interwar years, and the context of peace in our time and all this stuff, it's so important to capture that the fever of war, and that's what they've got, isn't it? And then they yeah, get and and there is the like started. I said, this is charging off, and and we meet the cast of characters and it's all a laugh they got their basic training they're all palling around you know they don't like the drill sergeant they they roll him up in a rug and beat him up with sticks corporal it's Hill all very stars. funny it's Cor- becomes yeah. police academy for 20 minutes and it's mm-hmm. it's fun it's light-hearted it's amusing again it's 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 cleverly shot they're sort of marching up and down and and it's very band of brothersy uh almost they're sort of like um you know running yeah. about and marching the and brotherhood things. the brotherhood yeah yeah, and you sort of become, and again, it's, it's the genius of this movie is that, number one, you forget that these are, we've spent so many decades being told that the Germans are the baddies. Um, and now, well, obviously the Russians are the baddies again now, so everything seems easier. But for so many decades that the Germans, especially in World War One, were the baddies. And this movie makes me think, is is that something that we didn't really decide until World War Two? Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of like that, this seems to think, you know, because... Hollywood greenlit a movie told from the German perspective in World War One, and that, like I said, that I don't think that could have possibly existed for, about World War Two. Certainly, fifteen years after World War Two ended. Yeah, no, there's definitely a unique take here, isn't there, in terms of having that German, that German focus, and all the way through the film. Then I think what you, what you come up, what you come up against is is that concept from the start which is that you've got to go serve the fatherland and and that it's vital that you know for the war effort and all these things that you have to do probably in a way that obviously in britain we get a sense of that through you know through the education we've had on on world war one but it's so different because germany was the aggressors and i'm thinking back to uh because we're massive nerds, we re- both recently read a book on the Franco-Prussian War, which happened in 1871, and France started it and got their asses kicked within about six weeks. And it's yeah. like, and and actually how that damages the national psyche in a way that that I think you see later on come through, and why they were so, why Germany was so concerned about France doing again all the Alsace Lorraine, yeah. blah blah blah. But uh, like, I, yeah, go on. No, no, it, it's it's a fascinating thing, and but I, I think it's really clever that this movie doesn't really, is not really interested in that, and and that's why it's the genius of this anti-war thing. This isn't anti-World War One so much as it is anti-conflict. I think, yeah. in, in a way, uh, that's just beautiful. This this movie really well, really this... hit me. Yeah. So go on. Um. I was just going to uh, just jump into the plot some more, um, but if you well, that's point. yeah. Well, I think it's that it's the smallness of the story, isn't it? Because once these boys get shipped out, quite quickly they realise, you know, war is hell, and it's not, it's not like the schoolmaster told them. I think someone's is someone killed the minute they arrive. I think one straight of their... away they come yeah. on the train. It's chaotic, and basically they're just left to their own devices. They don't have any leadership, and they don't have food even so they're having to go and chat to these grizzled soldiers which they would later become and and that thing that we see in band of brothers really clearly three is is the episode on the replacements and how the replacements don't you think that they'd be welcomed you know here we are but they're not they're cast out because they come in with shiny boots and they and, and these boys are coming in full of enthusiasm and ready to go and they're up against these grizzles. The war's already been going on for, you know, months at this point, yeah. I think. So they, they want to know they how they get food. There's, there's no food to be had. They're yeah. told to go somewhere and that's that. Um, and and throughout the movie, they're kind of just, we never really see officers. They're just, well, we've been told we're going here or we've been told we're marching here and we're getting on tr- on the train. And I think it reflects the experiences of, of most of these private soldiers. Um, mm-hmm. Like in the war, where there's this total lack of agency which you get. And also something which certainly I, I've come across quite a lot reading different things and learning about different things is that quite a lot of standing around and doing nothing. We think of war, um, especially World War One. we think of this kind of like, 
well, World War maybe not. It's, it's a bit more, we think of poetry and playing football at Christmas and, you know, all the things that we get hammered into us over here uh, with the Rembrandt Sunday and, 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 and the school system and things like that. But you think of war and you think of this, like, glorious, you know, the other charge and all the, you know, the death and the murder and the shrapnel around you and this intense thing. And what we don't think about is all of these, all of these teenagers, you know, hundreds of teenagers, thousands of teenagers just being away from home in a for you know in a, in, a, in a strange place they're not being fed properly they don't know what's happening they don't know what's going on you know the diseases um mm. hunger you it's know horrific. bad discipline like that's not something we really even in saving private ryan that is not really something we we get to look at full in the face that i think we do in this movie yeah in a way that isn't it's not made to be visually horrific I think is clever to make this movie not try and shock you visually i think makes it more shocking psychologically it's, because of it's, that yeah it's a psychological fear isn't it and i think that's shown that's portrayed and, and and like really drilled into you in the first trench warfare scene which again just back to filmmaking for a second and away from the thematics this is an extraordinary like the scale of this, you know, all these extras and they're blowing things, they're blowing up dirt and, you know, making uh, uh, these 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 actors fight each other with clubs and they're diving on. And we get these incredible shots, these like, um, I mean, like a dolly shot, I think you'd call it now, wouldn't you, where it's going along a track as as the, the, the troops are diving and stabbing each other. And like, this must have been such an aggressive and uh, impactful thing to see in 1930 to, to, to be so to feel so close to that realistic depiction of the war in the same way and because it's our foundational war film we keep coming back to it saving private Ryan that first 20 minutes is stuck in my head and will never leave because it because I don't know if all of that but it's the best violent depiction that we've got and this must have been similar it must have been similar this first trench scene and, and so we're going to talk about this a lot but so soon on the on the heels of world war one um like you said world war the world the term world war one would have been fucking terrifying in 1930 and it should have been because guess what number two's coming and everything's bigger and better and deadlier um and it's worse <laughs> it's way world worse war world war two the quickening um but it's like so you know this is 1930 the war ended in 1918 there will have been a lot of veterans in their 30s who fought in the trenches you know and america was in that war and they, these veterans were everywhere certainly a great bit of trivia it's a great bit of trivia um was that quite a lot of the extras in this movie because obviously after the war a lot of germans emigrated and a lot of them ended up in america and a lot of them ended up in los angeles and a lot of them ended up being extras in this movie because Good of the, you know, the um, expats seeking out expats. It wasn't difficult to find a whole group of German army veterans who appear in this movie, not, not as actors usually, but uh, you know, as, as, as extras. Yeah. Um, and that Literally. captures something as well. And, and it feels so, and that's maybe why it feels so raw. Mm. And then we get, I think one of, I think probably my, and most, my, my, I think it's my favorite scene in the whole movie and I don't think when I watched it it wasn't until afterwards that I realized what was going on is that they go to the trench and they're absolutely exhausted and they come back in and okay now it's now it's time to get brought back off the front and it's time to get some food and the sh the cook has made too much and he's made too much food and he's made now food he's... for 180 men and only 80 of them came all that 85 of them or something came back and that i don't i didn't connect in my head until afterwards that he'd been told how many he'd been told to cook food for the entire unit or regiment or whatever it is and he did so but what he he wasn't told that actually only half of them survived and that's why they've got extra food. And it's such a joyous scene. It's such a joyous scene because they are getting double rations and they're full bellies. And and the film is 
perfectly orchestrating this because it lulls, I think it lulls you into that sense of fantastic double food. Oh, that's going to be so great. And then your brain starts to work and you realize that's because they're all fucking dead. And, and the ones who are alive aren't even considering this because they are scoffing down extra rations and they don't think about, and I think that's because they're in it. And because it's, it's just life, isn't it? And and life is a soldier and double food. Hey, my favorite, my favorite scene comes shortly after this. Um, and it's the boots. Um, so one of their, one of the friends, uh, one of Paul's friends gets injured, um, in this, um, in this battle and he's in the hospital and they go to visit him. Um, and that scene in of itself, I mean, it's, Again, it's quite funny. Maybe funny is not humorous because they're kids and they're acting like kids. And one of them's going, "Oh, can I have your boots? Uh, you, you know, you won't need them anymore. You're going to have that leg amputated." And then, but not. And then they realise what they're saying, and it's like, "Oh, we'll leave the boots there." And Fuck it out. Paul stays with him in it, and he dies um, and off screen uh, or on screen, on screen. Um, and that's just sad off in screen because he's just, just off screen. Yeah, yeah, but he's crying and he's he wants to go home and he doesn't want to be there and and it's you know and they've got the doctors who are just like well there's nothing i can do for him i've got other patients you know we've looked at him and that's that um and then we follow the boots for a bit so take the boots back the boots gives the boots the really nice boots handmade by his uncle or something to to one of the other friends these are the most comfortable boots in the world i could march anywhere happy in these and we see him marching along smiling and then and then the camera just follows it's just a foot level and you just see the boots and he gets shot and then you see the boots marching along and it's a different guy and he looks happy and stuff and then he gets shot and it's such a the restraint it's only a couple of guys in it but it's the it's the way that it's shot the cinematography of just showing the boots and it's about these boots and he's pulling them off the dead guy and and it's it just really hit me as like a god fucking hell <laughs> you know the futility the, of it you know the, well, absolute... the futility of it, and the like that that you know that these people are so poorly equipped, and you know in such horrible conditions that a good pair of boots is, you know that um, important and that valuable, and then also to see just how these again these young men are getting killed left and right. I think it personalises it, is it in a way um, that just shooting a pair of boots walking around shouldn't be able to do. Mm. Yeah. It's it's really it's really I think impactful, clever, and all throughout the film we get to see stuff like this. We get to see the little turns and the ability of the filmmakers. I think to to give us quite a lot with very little. You know about food, about boots. Later on, where he, when he's he's um, he's talking with his dad's mates in 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 the pub, and they're all banging the table, telling them how they should win the war and which regions they should invade and and how cl- and it's mundane it's mundane isn't it it's not really a, and all of that i think serves that that general message of the movie about like that it, it's pointless and it's detached like people aren't really connected to the realities of war and that's what the film wants to try wants you to walk away with i think is actually this is what it's like this is what it's about and all the other shit, all the schoolmasters telling you do it for the glory of the fatherland, and your mate, your dad, and mates telling you how you know how to win the war. It's all just bollocks. It's all just propaganda. It's all just there to serve. And they have this great discussion. I think some of the acting, especially in this scene, is very nineteen thirties. I'm like. All right, guys, let's maybe just tone down the hamminess by ten percent. But it's the thirties. I do think though. That we have some better acting from the 1930s and better acting in this yes. movie, but there's a few scenes where it's a little bit. Some of it, and there's a few, and all the actors I think in this are reasonably guilty of of having bad scenes. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I don't think it, it it ruins the movie. You do notice it. You do notice, and it's a more personal historical point of view, and you're like, oh. A lot of these are silent actors as well, you know, who've transitioned yeah. to the to the audio age, and I think so. You you do see a lot of the the silent actor faces that are yeah. a bit exaggerated and it's like, okay, it's fine. We don't need to choose scenery quite so much just now. But um I wanna talk about I wanna talk about one another scene that happens around this part of the movie, which is when um Paul stabs the uh, German the sorry, the French the Frenchman. 
in the um in, in, in the, in um, the crater, the, in the crater, shell crater yeah. in no man's land this is the scene that i remember from the 1979 one and it's a lot more graphic and it's a lot more you know in this he's again the acting's a little bit suspect and you know there's certain points where he's lying there dead and you can see him quite obviously breathing blinking like just and i think there's um but this is this is a really important part of the movie isn't it this is where i think paul is really stripped of his humanity because he stabs him and then and then wants to immediately almost immediately wants to take it back and realizes what he's done and that he's stabbed and he, you know he says in another life I'll, get, I'll save us i'll get us out of here and and yeah and then he's looking and it's a madness his... that sets in and it's uh-huh. and especially as in the context of this is in a foxhole in no man's land and there are shells going over and night's coming in and he's there all night um and again i think i saw a clip from the 2020 22 movie um and again that's a really uh, quite an upsetting scene like visually upsetting um but i think the fact again i'm not trying to make excuses for the the fact that this is a bit of a shoddy production it's a very small thing yeah but but i think that it but i think that it allows you to focus on what's happening from a bigger perspective about what paul's going through um because we aren't seeing the blood bubble up and you know the fucking do you know what I mean? The 17 Just pints of blood like, and, come out of this yeah. guy's throat wound that he's got from where mm-hmm. Paul stabbed him, which I'm sure the 2022 version seemed like. And haven't got the really visceral, the blood and the bones and probably some, a couple of, throw a couple of dead bodies in there just for good measure. Because we haven't got that, all we've really got is the material that we're presented with, which is that this is a kid, you know, a few weeks ago we saw him at school in his school uniform with all of his mates and being browbeaten into joining up. Um you know we've been with them through their journey and so many of them being killed and this is paul you know ultimately does not want to die and and but ultimately at the same time doesn't really want to kill anyone and it's that question of why am i here why are we both here like and it's something the movie doesn't ever address is what the, you know, the causes of the war this isn't a movie about like i said why world war one is bad this is a movie about why any war is bad and the experience of the soldiers is not you know we marched into the Somme so that we could fight imperialist France about something. It's yeah. it's not trying to get yeah. bogged down in that. This is a this is a man who is in this situation and he's killed another man and he feels horrible about it. He picks out his pocketbook and he sees a picture of his wife and his kids and that realisation that this is this is another person. You've ended the life of another person and it's gonna have that knock on effect of affecting all the lives that he is connected to. And yeah. again, the movie doesn't sit down and say all of that to you but i think it does a really good job of conveying it in this somewhat hammy performance yeah i think i think it is a i think it is a powerful scene yeah there is that that element of it's it's a bit overwrought but but i think it just sticks for me and again probably because the 1979 one has a similar scene and i i don't have the stomach to watch the 2022 one i don't think unless maybe watch it together and we can hold hands uh, so if we can look after each other, that might be the only way. But other than that, I'm just like, I've seen clips of this. It looks fucking terrifying. I, do know, I, Sam, the... I feel I feel like quite happy that this is the definitive version of this story. I'm yes. not even interested in reading the book. I think this was phenomenal. Yes. Um, and so we sort of like, I think I can't remember the exact. So when does his leave happen? Is it after he's in the hospital? And is that yeah. after the scene with the women? Yeah, so he's... Paul, he's he's in the hospital and... Well, let's, what I was going to say was let's hit the scene with the women and the bar. Because mm-hmm. then I think we're into the leave and then the end of the movie, if that makes sense. Yes, I think so. I can't it's quite a limited this. movie in its scope, really. There aren't loads yeah. and loads of set pieces. I mean, there's quite a lot of like uh, the footage of the of the battles and things. But we get... So we get the trenches about 40 minutes into the movie. And then we have kind of quite a big gap between trench warfare where we get some at the end near towards the end um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we get the scene when they're um like billeted in a french village um and this is again where the movie kind of becomes quite funny and quite jokey and it kind of reverts back to being these lads on holiday kind of thing you know like, <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a very reductive way of saying it but it kind of 
I think but it must have felt like that. Do you not yeah. think it must have felt like that? You know, absolutely. Like if, you, if if you're going off and and you're hanging out, me, with me and you went to Normandy and killed ten thousand Frenchmen, and you got trench foot, and we had to shoot Joe in the face because he lost his legs. And and remark, uh, Eric Maria Remark, who who wrote the book, uh, served at the Western Front. And so I think I mean this obviously comes from his his own experience, but there's there's a, there's that there is that sense of brotherhood and pals, and we were messing around, and all of a sudden, you know, your head your mate's head gets blown off, and it's all really bad. But then, you, how do you deal with that? You deal with that by chasing French women, and 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 you know, trying to give the, well, uh, giving them bread. We get the great bar scene first, which I really I actually thought the acting in this scene was really good. Um, where you've kind of got the old soldiers. Um, there's two or three of them. We'll, we'll sort of hit some names towards the end because there are some really good performances and good actors there. And you've got Paul and the young crowd and quite a few of them are dead at this point. Um, and they're really drunk and they are flirting with a poster of a woman uh, at the back of the bar. Yeah. Um, and there's a mirror there as well. I, lo- I love a shot with a mirror in it because I, I just think it's like... Well, we're going to have to be clever here because... It's hard mode, isn't it? Uh-huh. it? Yeah, it's like, let's have a mirror there, especially in, in 1930. Let's have a mirror there and then we're going to have to shoot around it. So, But I think it's a really good way of catching two sides of our actors acting and performing this scene. And we can see, you know, really good, like, when they're acting drunk as well, I think they're doing a really good job. Maybe they're drunk, it's 1930. It's hard to, mm-hmm. hard to know. Um, and they're I'm floating with right this now. poster because, again, because, again, these men young men they're all like teenagers they they were an all boys school we saw it because you know women didn't get great education in the past um but also it's all boys school and they've joined the army and it's all lads together and and then there's this realization oh well actually we haven't seen like a human it's not even sexual really not like entirely it's kind of like we haven't really seen like anyone who wasn't a soldier in forever yeah. And 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 that that must have been that the you know the sight of of being you know these young men being away from civilization and, and away from their girlfriends and whatever else and and like seeing seeing a, a bunch of Frenchmen in that situation must have just must have been oh. so they're throwing almost throwing bread at them and saying you know here's chocolate here's all the here's all my rations and and I mean they do end up it looks like Paul and and one of them end up getting together and but a lot of it's just hanging out and just be, they don't they can't understand each other they don't know, speak they, the same language they don't speak and they do language. definitely it's a definitely an off screen on screen sex scene yeah um, Even, but again yeah. the, the I, again the fucking balls on this director the fucking wheelbarrow he has to use to carry his <laughs> balls around this scene he shoots because basically it's 1930 you're shooting a sex scene this is a gr not this is a german soldier having sex with a French woman who he's basically she's doing it because he's given her a load of food because they're all starving to death. That's horrible, but it's fine. And what you actually get is kind of like this um, just shot of a wall and the, you can sort of hear the voices coming out of the bedroom door and we're looking at a wall on the landing. It's a bit yeah, of it's light, a bit, it's a bit like. Um, but basically it's Paul, a one-sided conversation where Paul's talking to this woman and she doesn't speak German and he doesn't speak French and he's saying... So he's having to sort of say, oh, well, I bet you feel, do you wish the war was over? I bet you wish the war is over because he can't get an answer. And it's basically him talking about how he doesn't want to be a soldier and how he doesn't mm-hmm. understand why they're at war and why are we still at war and he doesn't want to be killed. And again, there's kind of like a, there's a vulnerability in this scene, which I think really outpunches the fact that it's a shot of a fucking wall outside a bedroom door and nothing else is going on and it's, Again, it just hit me as, as like really good writing and, and the best thing, the, the thing this film really does is it really understands the emotions that these, these men must have gone through. You know, this must have been such a universal like thought process for the people who found themselves in France at, in, during this war. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, and it goes to that tree and we see scenes like this through every single war movie. That that come through, you know, and it's like America, World War Two GIs trying to give cigarettes to French women so they can, you know, they can get a a kiss on the cheek. You know, it it it's really it's really. I think there's a universal experience. You mentioned the director, um, Lewis Mills, Lewis Milestone, who also did 
Ocean's Eleven, the 1960 Ocean's Eleven movie with Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis apparently, Jr. Not, apparently not great. I keep whispering into the microphone, apparently not fantastic, but just I don't, aside, aside. I don't think it will be, but I'd like to watch it because I love the uh, the first one. So Lewis Millstone, Milestone, worth ch- checking out his Wikipedia page. So this takes us, I think, to kind of the last act of the movie, doesn't it? The last bit of the movie where Lewis, go, not Lewis, um, Paul goes home to... And we have the Apocalypse Now bit. All I yes. can think about when I was over there was coming home. And now that I'm home, all I can think about is getting back there. And it's... It's again, like the line in this of, movie. They stole it from this movie. I know. But it it just shows that, like... And again, I've not been to war. I don't know if that's apparent in our conversations or the fact that I'm a fucking like, fat white guy on the internet with a podcast. But um, it's so... like It's just a common thing in in war movies and in, in culture generally is that this idea that if you take a teenager a, a a a not fully formed to be clear human brain that's scientific fact and you put them through this process of indoctrination indoctrination to become a soldier and then you put them under some of the you know the greatest psychological and physical pressures that they could be put under for extended periods of time like and this is something that they explore much more, um, you know, after the Vietnam War with PTSD and everything like that. And something that, you know, I think PTSD definitely existed after World War One, and basically people got shot or sent to asylums or killed themselves. Um, but it captures that that psychosis of they come home and, and everything, it's safe and it's nice and everyone's, no one's trying to kill you and there's food and it's warm and it's cosy and that in of itself is repellent to these people who have basically mm-hmm. like been put through a torturous situation but then adapted to it so that everything else feels like just grey background noise. It's And and, and some, you know what I always I always think of um you come home and all of a sudden you've got to deal with credit scores. Or you need to go to the post office and you need to fill in this, you know, form seven four eight B, and 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 the mundanity of ex- of actual existence and of civilization, and all the structure and bureaucracy and all the things that get in the way of what you want to do, and those things don't exist in in war because it's simple. You go, you you're told when to eat. You're told where to go. You are you. You live and you and you die, or you kill and you don't try and try not to be killed. And like and so, life fucking simple. It's simple, and that and that. I mean, again, who, I, I don't think we're war either. We didn't know what we're talking about, but but that is, I think, something that we in, we see all through media is about the structure of the military is there to make you subservient to to orders, and so you follow the orders, and you and, and life's simple. And I think and this then you film suddenly aren't in that position, and like this is and and America's a great example of like not supporting these people. Um, but I'm every country is guilty of it, and it, it's this. But that's what's captured in this movie when Paul goes home, and it's everyone's so happy to see him, and and he's a hero, and his mum's so glad he's alive, and his sister, and his and his like I said, his dad and his dad's mates at the pub, and everyone on the streets, and it's like. You're a hero, and he's but he doesn't feel like a hero because he's lived through the realities of the war, and it's that it captures that. And he stabbed like, a Frenchman, you know, in it, and then watched him die for twelve hours, and that doesn't feel very heroic, does it, for him? No, exactly. Like, for yeah. and for what? Um, so he goes back. So he ends his leave early, which is an unthinkable thing. If you you know he unthinkable earlier in the movie, um, and he goes back. And this is again you mentioned about the replacements, and so we meet. Um, I can't the remember the taller does, veteran matter, guy's name, um, yeah, but matter. there's Stanis, Stanislav, uh, Stanislav, the the. Well, basically, by... these guys are coming in, and they want, and, and they're they're doing the same dance as 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 Paul and his mates did when they arrived, is that they want to know 
when are they when are they going to eat and they haven't eaten in all this time and yeah and paul comes in like you said when we meet them initially there's four or five veterans paul can't find his unit and he finds one old soldier and he's like oh my god i thought that i couldn't find the unit i thought you you know you i was in the wrong place and he's like oh no this is it and it's him and a load of replacements and his his mate um stanislav uh stanislaus um he's played by louis walheim um who is a yeah. solid movie actor look at that face um <laughs> He's great. He's still alive yeah, as well. He's this. fantastic. He's the heart and um, soul of this movie. Yes. And um, and he's, he's found his, his unit and he's back. And he sort of says, you know, oh, I came back from leave early because it just didn't, you know, and there's sort of like an understanding of that. And we see they do a really good job of casting like 25-year-olds and 30-year-olds to be the teenagers at the beginning. And it, it's okay. You sort of buy it. Um so that then they can have actual teenagers play the replacements. And you're like, holy fucking shit, are they children? Um, mm. Again, I think it's a really effective scene of, of the shots of the replacements and, you know, him being... The and they look adult. so young, don't they? They look even yeah. younger because that's what they were doing. You know, it, they, they... again, the, to the reality because everyone else had been killed. Yeah. Who else are you going to say? Can I just give you a little teaser for the 1979 one? Um, the Stanislas character is played by Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> oh, it's good. Is that good? Good. I can't quite remember, but it's probably good. Uh, okay. Richard Thomas plays Paul, uh, Paul Warmer, who's he's excellent in this. And then we go, obviously, we've got Ian Holm. I already, who's I love it. I love Ian Holm's performance in that. It's so brilliant. I'll try. I'll try and check it out um, because. Uh, but then again, like. Part of me is like, well, this was the definitive version of this story. Why would I need to? Why would I need to check out Bilbo doing this? Probably very, um, very, uh, but reasonable. Yeah. So we can we so, come back? Go yeah. On. Well, just, I just yeah move us to the the kind of last bit, which is, and this is the bit I think that the director was was asked by the studio. You know, he's almost pleaded to make make it a happy ending. To which he responded, "Okay, fine. I'll let the Germans win." <laughs> <laughs> which, 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 maybe would be a historical, but this is the bit where he's back in the trenches, isn't he? And this is well, like I thought f- we could mention, by the way, just quickly that we, because I've remembered the character's name's Cat. He goes by Cat. I don't know why Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia has it. Stanislaus Katzinski. Oh, oh um, of course. Oh, this scene. It's Cat. Oh it's Cat. Um, and so he goes I'd to rep- find. I'd Kat repress and, this. I'd repress this. Like you say, uh, uh, Louis Wal- Walheim. I think this is like a. It's so cool, by the way. This this man died a year later. It's so cool that we can watch this nearly a hundred years after he died, and be like, "You are such. This is such a good performance. What are we doing?" Um, it goes to can find I tweet Kat at this guy? Out. Can I tweet at him? To, to <laughs> tell him how good great he is? grandchildren, maybe. Um, so he goes to find Cat to say, "I'm back." And Cat's the, the reunion scene's fantastic. And then a shell goes off, and they're sort of like, "Oh, let's get out of here." Another shell goes off and it breaks Cat's leg, and Jesus fucking Christ! Um, and Paul basically, this is the heroic scene. This is the Saving Private Ryan scene, and he picks him up. And don't worry, I'll get us out of here. And and he starts walking away. And there's another shell that kills Cat, and we see that as the audience. And then we see Paul walk, continue to walk away. And he gets to the he gets to the um, the medics tent, and um, he says, oh, "I've got a wounded soldier here." And they come over and they say. You needn't have carried him all this way, son. He's dead. Um, he and, carries... and all of the all of the medical people in this movie, I think, um, capture the. Again, it feels quite real. Just the total. Like, they've got to be blunt because the detachment. Yeah. It's the Somme. Twenty thousand people are dead or wounded. You do not have time for in fucking bedside manner in one day. <laughs> yeah, um, like, and he's dead. And this he's scene dead, is, and it's then Paul. This scene is. And this brutal. feels like this is when all hope and joy and it, it breaks him doesn't it it breaks him i think this scene is 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 because it's his mentor it's he's the one person who helped them who said you know you duck when i when i duck you duck you know when when there's when there's artillery coming in he found the food and he looked after them and he was he was there but you know he, he was that father figure and like it's a brutal scene, and to carry, he's basically carrying his corpse all that way. Is is just tragic, and I think, and 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 you know what? It's like statistically, this probably happened. 
and or or at the very least is represents the deaths of and of of close friends in a way that I just don't think we can comprehend. Well, Do you know what again, I mean? Like, it's not it's not heroic. They're in the middle of a field looking foraging for food because they haven't been fed. It's it's not heroic. Nothing's been achieved. It's not Tom Hanks sacrificing himself to save Matt Damon. If that's indeed what happens in Saving Private Ryan, it's pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing heroic. There's nothing nice. It's again, it's a pointless death, pointless, pointless death. Um, and it kind of like leads into again. I, I love the ending to this movie. I could, it's a real fucking tearjerker. This ending. Well, he gets um, he 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 sees he sees a butterfly, doesn't he? And he, reaches and he just out. reaches his hand out, just in a moment of creature to creature humanity. Pops his, of, pops he sees his head something up. beautiful. He sees something beautiful in this in this wasteland of this wasteland of literal human corpses and shells and death and trench foot and rotting food and rats. And he sees this butterfly, reaches his hand out just to feel that connection to. Not everywhere is like this, and a fucking sniper shoots him, and the film cuts. And it's like, oh, it's, this is a, again, wheelbarrow for the balls. The balls on this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes the movie. And I, I we've talked about why the movie is good in all, all other respects, but the ending quite frequently, I think, if you, if you, if you don't nail the ending to your movie, um, it kind of taints the rest of it. And this is the, this is the, this, this is probably the film's cool example of like, fucking end your movie with a bullet like literally like you know black it's mm-hmm. so and i think this is slightly different from the ending of the book and and i think but it's probably the it's that great example of where the adaptation overtakes i think the um the the uh the, the source material and this is just one of the most powerful endings to any movie ever and i think it's because it because it is i mean a butterfly you know, delicate representation of nature, and in the as you say, in the midst of the human decay and destruction that we've we've brought upon the land, and for nothing, for no reason. To, you know, as as they say in Blackadder, to get uh, General uh, Melcher's um, whiskey cabinet three feet close to <laughs> Berlin. To Berlin, exactly. Like exactly. It's you know what it's it is it's just perfect. I think I think it goes to that anti-war message. It goes to this is a true anti-war movie. This shows the futility of it, and you know what 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 was gained? What was the effect of this? What was the effect of World War One? It would you know historically, it it didn't really change much for the positive. And the result was, a, you know, a, a, a beleaguered Germany who came back in full force for World War Two, the quickening. And it's like, well, fucking Jesus! Like we, I think what we we walk away from this film with the same sense of foreboding doom that must have been felt in the nineteen thirties, and through hyperinflation and through the rise of of fascism and everything like you must have just been going fucking something's coming i bet i bet it's because of like the same themes that we've seen in 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 this movie yeah it's it's powerful um, Fuck. and i think it no 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 i, I agree with everything you just said it's it, this, this is what i'm talking about when it's a good movie it's sometimes tough to have a conversation because we agree no, no, so no, I'm just, on everything I'm just saying i'm just saying fuck i'm just saying jesus um <sighs> but it's it's kind of the prime example of again and this is why this movie and not just because we're doing the, all the best pictures this movie is like still renowned as a fantastic movie and it's some sort of thing that I would recommend to somebody who doesn't like old movies as a movie that won't doesn't feel old. You'll enjoy it, yeah, because it's, you, it's, because it's fantastic, yeah. um, and it's the way that its tone is so evenly uneven throughout. You've got the horror, you've got the the light-hearted sort of you know like they get their mate drunk, so, so, that so the numbers yeah. work out with the French woman because there's four of them and three French women so they get him drunk so he doesn't come and it's like that's funny that's a funny scene and it's that levity mixed with the rest of it that kind of like the um, hands on the barbed wire it highlights the horror and it highlights the oh, oh the, god just the 
the horrible situation that he's in and the ending i think i, I, I this is the the best acting that um uh lose um as lou as um yeah. has um there's some odd spelling there i'm not very good at pronouncing uh names um has is is this like just far off look in his eyes and he is not when he's looking at that butterfly he is not thinking about the war and this french sniper i almost thought because i've never seen this before um in any of his situations and i'm aware of it but only really through other movies if that makes sense and references here and there mm-hmm. and i really wasn't sure whether the, the sniper was going to look at it and then also realize the beauty of oh this guy's just having a moment and not kill him and then of course they kill him of course um and it's not soft and it's brutal and it's upsetting and and that just reinforces everything we've just seen and and it's i don't know for a movie where for a good half of this movie you don't have a protagonist i think it it's just such a complete package of war bad is just that, that was the first page of the script war equals bad and yep. then right so how are we going to fucking get this across in you know 2 hours in a movie yeah it goes to the source material it goes to the filmmaking and and, and the bravery of the direction cinematography less so the acting but that's fine because it's 1930 but all the way through to the end of the movie where we get that exactly we get that moment of willie is he gonna is he gonna shoot a man for for reaching out for a butterfly but the french guy does know that he's just a boss he's got orders of course he's He's gonna kill people he's invading my country of course i'm and the future you forget the future these are the germans yeah. You sometimes find I sometimes found myself while I was watching this movie thinking, why are they wearing those German helmets? Like that seems like a flub. Occasionally catching myself because so little and and it's the genius of this American movie is is to have and obviously because it's based on a book, but to have the, the quote unquote heroes, and this is the bit because there are no heroes, have the protagonists be the Germans who are the aggressors, who are the bad guys, who would go on in World War Two to do as a nation, you know, heinous things and wreak even more destruction. And that's not to pile everything on the Germans. Again, this isn't a political podcast for this exact moment. Most of the rest of the time. For, for 1930s, um, I think it's fine to so say the Germans weren't great in no, the 1930s. No, what I'm saying is that to look back on it, and it's amazing to think in 1930 that you could look back on World War One and not yeah. hold loads of grudges against Germans just because they're Germans and because they're national like propaganda machine hadn't cranked back up to tell us that Germans were all subhuman pieces of shit to make it easier for us to go over there and kill them. Uh, you know, or bomb to... Bomb Dresden to a... Bomb, dr- bomb Dresden. Or to... Or Hamburg or Nagasaki or Hiroshima. Exactly. 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 War is hell and we didn't learn the lesson. And we and we continue not to, you know, and, that, and that's the tragic yeah. thing about... That's the tragic thing, isn't it? That's why this movie is so impactful is because we, we haven't we... learned a fucking thing yet. Yeah, you're exactly right, Sam. Um, and that's why this film is timeless. It will never age and it will always be relevant. I don't and... know. I'm not sure the apes from the planet of the apes, which we're very fast approaching, um, are going to appreciate this movie. <laughs> well, I think ape cinema has is going to be its own thing. And who are we to judge that, Dave? Who are we to judge it? Well, we're two white guys of the podcast, Sam, so we're pretty high on the list of people who are just going to judge anything. Anyway, yeah, for 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 any um, reason. For any but this reason. was... All right. 1930. You, this was an absolute five-star movie. Um, six stars. Six stars. Seven stars. Um, ten we're stars. Off the, we're off the page. We're off so the page. Stars. This is one of the best movies we've ever done for the podcast. Um, it's definitely the best best picture that we've done mm-hmm. um not loads yep. of competition admittedly for the third one uh no. we've got a couple more pre movies up. i believe coming up we've next got time new... on the imaginary movie <laughs> podcast we've got cimarron uh oh no my things go straight here. cimarron a pre-code epic western starring richard dix and irene dunn directed by wesley that's right Rogers. who and who <laughs> Released by RKO. Who are they? But it's a Western. So Howard Hughes's uh, company, or did he, did he not own it then? He, I'm not sure if he owned it in 1931. He did eventually. Uh, that's a very good pull, Dave. Well done. Um, 
Got your back, Jack. It's set during the Oklahoma land rush of 1889. Oh, fantastic. I bet that whitewashes history. I'm excited. You know it's going to. But it's what's on the list. We're doing one a month, roughly 12 a year. And so we are strapped in on to the 1930s for at least another what year and a half, maybe realistically, probably 18 months Um. before. Before we before uh, we leave, we probably get this probably get this cracked out by like July next year. Yeah, that's if we that's if we carry on at the pace. Which we're going to carry on, Sam. I know where you live. I, I'll come up and I'll kidnap your family and make it's you the pace. I'm not sure. I'm not. We're not going to get all quiet on the Western Front every week, Dave. We're gonna I get... think. Do you know what my prediction is? My bold prediction is that we're going to hit the haze code like a fucking car doing 90 miles an hour running into a brick wall i think that it's gonna absolutely kill because i i do think that it's gonna go from being quite violent and like interesting and political and like edgy to just fucking john John wayne wayne (laughs) (laughs) perfect